When you're scrolling through your news feed, you're bound to see headlines claiming property prices are either rising rapidly or dropping like a stone. In this episode, we're going to help you deconstruct these so you can work out what's really going on. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we're talking about property headlines. We always seem to be in either a boom or a bust in this country, <laughs> if you believe what you read in the media. But is this a reliable source of property intel? But before mm-hmm. we get into that, uh, Megan always has a special house behind her in the video. And uh, since we're talking about media headlines, maybe you've been inspired for this one? I what? certainly have. <laughs> what have you got? I love doing this. I love finding these really kooky things. I found this little gem in London. It's a house made out of newspaper that was part of an art installation by Summer Eric. And I just think it's so cute and so topical. So I wonder if it rained and it turned into paper mache. (laughs) (laughs) You'd hope that there's some really good um, uh, setting that they did to make sure the paper was protected. Oh, God. So... (laughs) In preparation for this episode, because, you know, we're always banging on about how you can't re- um, rely on headlines and, and we're going to go into why and, and how to interrogate the headline, I guess, and make, and make sense of it. And everyone's talking about talking about headlines. Everyone's talking about chat GPT at the moment, right? They are, aren't they? It's just come out of nowhere. It has, but it's been fun because I've put in a lot of property-related questions. I've been horrified by the answers because the reality is that it just has to trawl through the internet if there's shit in the internet that thing is going to reproduce shit in a very credible and, and grammatically correct manner but in in response to my question <laughs> I, remember, I remember when i first did computer studies so this is back when computers were very new so 1990 oh, the dark and there's this there was this concept of gigo garbage in garbage out and it just Sorry, I just had to say, it really reminds me of what we're talking about right now. <laughs> it is. And so I've been horrified because I was thinking, oh, great, I might get some, some inspiration for some of these episodes. You know, I can, oh, you know, what should we be talking about? And honestly, some of the stuff is just like, oh, do not, do not, do not put a property question to chat GPT <laughs> and expect a, a reliable answer. Uh, yeah, garbage in, garbage out. But <laughs> however, I, I was quite happy with the response uh, that it gave me for when I asked how accurate 
uh, property headlines. And it said, and I quote, the accuracy of property headlines can vary widely depending on the source and the specific headline in question. Some real estate news outlets or websites strive for accuracy and impartial reporting, while others may prioritise sensationalism or present information in a misleading way. It is important to critically evaluate the source and the information presented in a property headline and to verify the accuracy of the information with multiple sources wherever possible. Isn't She's that just sitting perfect? on the fence? <laughs> but it's perfect. It's exactly it's right. Perfect. <laughs> the problem is how do you how do you tell which, you know, it, what we're reading is often fed to us and it's mm. fed to us in social media and through algorithms based on what we're looking at and what we're searching. So we're not even always in control of what gets fed to us. Um, That's the true. The reliability of the information that comes through is largely dependent on what you've been searching on and looking at. Well, that's true, but also what's fed to the news source. And yeah. so so the actual news outlet is fed information also differently to our algorithms that, that determines what we see in our news feed if we're looking online. And so where are they getting their information from, which we will go into here because that's important for you to understand and sort of pull that apart. Um, you know, certainly with the full forecaster report that we write for the Elephant in the Room yeah. podcast and we're in the processes of putting together the fifth one, um, every year we look at, we review forecasts, property forecasts, and see how many were accurate. And I can tell you right now that more, well over 90% are inaccurate every at, single year, well over 90%. And these are people, I mean, you're looking at people who are regarded as experts in yes. this field, yep. who are prepared to put themselves out there and make a forecast about what might happen, whether it be interest rates or property prices, or, you know, th th these are people who spend a lot of time and use um, quite rigorous models yeah. to come up, you know, they're not just guessing, uh, they're, they're really using what they considered to be quite credible modelling to, to come up with these forecasts. And and as you say, I think, yeah, the last one I read, it was I think maybe only one or two actually anticipated the direction of the market um, when you went all the way back pre-COVID. Yep. Uh, now, I, I, I don't know who could have predicted that market. You know, they did very well. They did very well to well, actually I, I come up you, with the right direction. I tell you what's interesting, it, and I've, I actually think I've got a book in me on this, because a lot of these economists, they, what they're using is uh, all these models, they're using um, established inputs, right? And what they're not inputting is human behaviour. Mm -hmm. And particularly when you look at COVID, what basically generated the boom that happened after COVID was humans behaving in certain ways, humans reacting to being cooped up, humans who've had these pent-up desires to see a tree change and then the opportunity comes out through working from home, humans reacting to circumstances we'd never had before, whereas all the models, none of those um, anticipated no. any of that stuff, you know. So this is, I mean, that's just one glaring hole. But let's let's get into, you know, really helping you deconstruct these headlines so you don't freak out when you see prices rising or falling because if you own a property, you freak out when they fall. If you're trying to buy <laughs> yes. a property, you freak out when they're rising. Even nature, isn't it? When you're looking for a property, you want things to slow down. The moment you own it, you want things to speed up and for that price to go up. That, that <laughs> is just human nature. So, I, I, look, I thought what we would do, Veronica, is I Googled, we're in just the start of February 2023, I Googled Brisbane house prices. So, just that term, Brisbane house prices, mm -hmm. because I wanted to see, I know there's a dramatic shift in 
what's happening. But there's a lot that underlies what's going on that isn't part of the headline. So let's have a look at the headlines. Yeah. This is this is hilarious to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> just made me laugh. So Brisbane house prices. First headline, Brisbane and Hobart house prices set record for largest, fastest drop. Now, that's yep. ABC. Yep. Reasonably credible. Um, don't put too – don't layer too much emotion, but, you know, that that's that's a fairly big call. The second one, record fall for Brisbane property values as market reacts to interest rate rises. Record fall for Brisbane property values as market reacts – you know, that's the third one. Property prices are falling. Don't freak out or get excited. <laughs> that's actually the best one, and I shared that um, article – yesterday in on LinkedIn because that yep. actually is a really one of the very rare I shall put the link in the show notes to that particular article because that's one of the rare balanced um, articles on the property market it talks about you know the big boom we just had in 2021 and puts it in context that falls into context and I thought that was that was of all of them um, an, an anomaly <laughs> yeah but yeah. you're absolutely right and, and Sorry, go on. And in this one, Brisbane house prices plummet at astonishing rate. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of data that they're using when you actually go into the article, but this is clickbait at its best. Yeah. And look, I tell you, I know exactly where all that came from. All of that came because CoreLogic releases their monthly index indices on the first of the month. And that all goes out in press releases. Then you get all these headlines. And the reality is that Brisbane had, I think from memory, um, of all the capital cities, the biggest gain in 2021. Yep. And also it's one of the laid, the last um, capital cities to actually record a fall. So all of a sudden it started falling, whereas Sydney and Melbourne topped the headlines for the last year because they're the first to fall, you know. They came off and, a bit, yeah. Yeah, and now Brisbane's finally started following the same pathway and so it it – it happens to hit the headlines because its uh, monthly fall in prices, according to CoreLogic, was bigger than Sydney and Melbourne. So it's catastrophic. It's terrible. But the reality is oh, that had the biggest and had the biggest growth. And for the last year, it's been still um, pretty robust. Still moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I guess the thing that we want to want to do here is say you need to look behind this headline and you need to look at a longer term timeline. Because in most articles, what wasn't addressed was how much growth, and the same with Sydney, the same with Melbourne, the same Uh with regional areas, how much growth had actually happened since the last dip or, um, you know, it was probably just, you know, a steadiness of prices in in Brisbane doesn't, it tends not to do much of an up and down. Um, Except for recent history. (laughs) Except for the moment. Well, well, yes and no, because there was a 43% rise in prices and then That's about a ten, just a, yeah, just a ten around a ten percent drop. Now we're talking medians here, so we're not talking about individual properties here. We're talking about the median house price. So what is not being broken down there is what what is that made up of? Is there differences in different price ranges? Is there differences in different areas? Brisbane, when they talk about um, median house prices, includes areas like Logan and Ipswich and that greater Brisbane, where there's very distinct and different property markets. So digging in, you know, if you looked at that as a first home buyer and thought, oh, great, prices are dropping, let's wait for the bottom of the market and then we can get it really cheap. 
But if you were waiting during the time of the price rises, you're still paying 30% more than you were, you know, that's very basic. I'm not talking about compounding there, but you're yeah. still paying about 30% more than you would have two years ago. Yeah. Um, so if you're waiting for prices to drop, actually, they haven't dropped below what they were previously. They've just dropped below the the, the peak of the market, this which is we where were all waiting for and was expected to happen. Exactly. And this is where people get caught out waiting for prices to fall because they they never quite fall as much as they, they grow. Have and grown, there is yeah. lots of data to support this, that every boom has you know, it has an increase in prices and then the following downturn is never as long and never as deep. So it's not like prices return back to zero. It's yeah. like just a new level, right? <laughs> so let's look at the news sources because, as I mentioned earlier, where the news headlines or the journalists are getting their info from does inform what the headline is going to say. And so they get given press releases from banks and then market reports created by these mm. banks and then a press release to support that. Core Logic, as I mentioned, come out with their their data packs uh, every month. Um, Domain, they also create data. And obviously, Domain is is aligned with this. You want to hear it in the age. So, therefore, mm. there's yeah. – and Channel 9. So, there's there's a there's a, like a natural um, pathway there. SQM Research is often featured in the press. Mm. Uh, then mm. there's press releases from other organisations such as it's Real Estate Agencies. PropTrack's a newer one. PropTrack is actually a lot part of, of media release. Yeah, REA Group. Mm. Um, all of those organisations that are in the property space, they're all vying for attention and and also branding, basically. And yeah. and as I said, you will get it from real estate agencies and, and other allied industries as well. Um, editors also say to their, you know, in the in the newsroom, go right, go and find the ten suburbs where prices <laughs> have fallen the most or or risen the most. So they know that top 10 lists and top five lists uh, will get people clicking on stories. Uh, uh. So so it's driven by what they know people respond to as well as this sort of this constant uh, source of press releases and new data and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And some journalists are property specialists uh. and do a decent job of interpreting and researching before they write their articles, whereas others just simply regurgitate. Yeah, and, and they just take what is going to be the most attractive to the editor and turn that into what they think is the most newsworthy or readable story um, and the robustness that goes into the research behind that. There's not an awful lot of it with some of the journalists that put out, um, particularly the online journalists that put, put things out. And then you've got others like Elizabeth Tilly, who is really well entrenched in the, the property industry. And, and and she can write some really great stuff that's well-researched. And Mackenzie Scott, another one. So there's some, some really interesting property expert uh, journalists out there in the marketplace that put some, some good stuff out. But just be careful. Remember, is sometimes what comes out in the media is also what someone has presented to them as a newsworthy story. Yeah. And that may not have any credit. It may not be based on anything except someone's opinion. Um, and we talk, you know, we're talking about forecasting when you've got maybe a buyer's agent or um, an investment, property investment advisor, just be really careful about that. They might just be a spruker in disguise and, and they have something that a, a journalist or an editor considers newsworthy. There may not be a lot of, a lot of real credibility Rigor. or robustness or research behind it. It may That's just be not. someone's opinion. One of the one of the things that as uh, a property journalist, Kirsten Craze, who's been around for a long time, and you know she does really make a very concerted attempt to research her stories 
And and she reminded me last time I had a conversation with her about this that headlines are not written by the journalists who wrote the yes. article. That's <laughs> right. So there's a different That's a really good point. Yeah. So there's a different person in the editing team or in the, the newspaper or whatever, uh, in the publication that that's their job to actually craft the headline to get people to read the story. So there's an art in that. And so sometimes the headline, sometimes the journalists actually cringe when they see the headline that goes with their <laughs> articles because it's not quite what they meant, right? <laughs> Imagine that. You've written a fairly serious article and the one thing that gets pulled out as the headline is that it's is the the passing line that you know maybe one of the the experts in the the article said in in passing and on that right a lot of researchers a lot of property researchers have complained that their worst case scenarios are used and other scenarios yeah. that they have are ignored right and an absolute classic for this was back in 2018 60 minutes ran a story um on the, how terrible the housing market was and we're going to ex- expect price falls of 40%, a regular yeah. figure that gets trotted out, right? It. it was absolutely splashed everywhere. Everyone was up in arms. And there were two property experts or, or data experts that were featured on that. Both of the, uh, probably more than two, but the two in, in particular that came out yeah. afterwards saying, hang on a minute, I gave you a whole bunch of scenarios and you mm. chose the most sensational one. Uh, Martin North was one of those and Louis Christopher. They both subsequently pu- publicly claimed that that is what had happened. Mm. Um, and let's point out that the 40% falls never eventuated, but it was a very sensational story. And you talk about those scenarios, and and, and we've actually spoken um, both individually and together to Martin North about this. There were there are a whole heap of scenarios that he put together that involve things like, you know, if interest rates do this and the labour market does this and the supply of this particular pro- type of property, construction is over construction and oversupply. So there was all these different mm. scenarios. That was the worst case scenario if all of those things happened badly together. You know, if everything he had three other went, scenarios he, he that had they ignored. other scenarios <laughs> in and they did not report it. <laughs> so and and the worst scenario did not come about. You know, and I think he, he said, oh, I can't remember, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but something like it was the lowest probability as well. Yeah. So it's the lowest probability of being uh, a possibility, and but that's the one that's much more sensationalist. So that's why you've got to be And everyone discerning. tuned into it because anyone who owned a property was- Freaking out. Oh, my God, God do it. You know, we're going to t- talk about, you know, the fear of getting out of the market in in another episode. But it if you owned, you were like, oh, do I need to sell? And if you hadn't, purchased and you were in the in the in the mindset of I want to buy like when when is this going to happen am I going to delay my purchasing decision until it falls 40% yeah. and why would you buy now if you thought prices are going to fall 40% like you'd go <laughs> oh, oh wait I'm not going to rush it in and then they did it and then they started taking off again in 2019 and people were left behind yeah. so so basing your decisions on these headlines is is very is fraught with danger even yeah. the RBA governor has claimed that the detail isn't reported. Okay, uh, so he was quoted uh, that interest rates wouldn't rise until 2024, and he did say that. But the report that he uh, released also gave a bunch of conditions that needed to remain in place for that to happen. And did anybody bother to read that? I'll confess no. I didn't read it. No, well, we- no, and I didn't either. I've read the, the articles, so I went be- below the headline, I read the articles. Wow. But I actually, and I do get um, their uh, media releases directly from them. You know, I've subscribed to their media releases. So I do get them. 
But I actually didn't go back and read the full article myself. So I was actually guilty as someone who is immersed in this world of not going below that higher level, what was reported and what wasn't. What was mm. Because it's, it's as much what is included as what is not included that can sway you in one direction or another and influence your behaviour. Well, it, it's also that um, because he has a high degree of credibility, yeah. you know, and he doesn't actually say much, really, yeah. you know, so you think, oh, wow, I've got confidence in that. And mm. so there's a lot of, I guess, human behaviour that goes uh-huh. on with why we're more likely to fall for that because you and I will both be, you know, very uh, critical of all these forecasts. But when you get the RBA governor coming out saying something like that and it's reported, you take it as read. And I think that's a very, very good, I guess they learnt some lessons in terms of what, what they will allow to be reported. Yeah. Um, but also we need to learn some lessons as consumers of, of the media to understand that we're only getting a soundbite. Yeah, yeah, and it's chosen for its most effective impact on the reader. Yeah. And then talking about human behaviour, you got confirmation bias. Like, you know, we want that to be true. We wanted the interest rates to be low. We, as, as owners, we wanted them to be low. As buyers, we wanted yep. them to be low because when they rise, we either pay more money or we can borrow less money. Yeah. And it feels like you're paying more for nothing extra, for nothing else. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I was able to have my mortgage was cheap before and now it's expensive. You know, like it feels yeah. like I'm getting ripped off. But then I did cast my mind back 10 years ago and it was, you know, it was higher than two. Nine percent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and top 10 lists. I mean, they're a particular bugbear of mine. They are useless. Um, oh, but geez, people love them. I know. Absolutely love them. And and if you've, you know, in your business, when you're talking to a marketing expert uh, or a PR firm trying to, to get some um, traction out in the media, they love them. People love top five, top three, top eight. You know, an, an odd number often is quite attractive. Yes, they it, say it that. looks like you've thought about it. Even though tens are <laughs> not odd. But they're like, you know, in those tables, they're like sort of nice rounded numbers. But, you know, they're useless, my, firstly, because they're past tense. So when you hear, oh, this is these are the suburbs that prices have gone up the most or gone down the, or gone down the most, it's already happened, right? So... Recency bias makes us think that that's going to continue happening perhaps, so maybe we go and act on that. But the, the reality is it's past 10, so it's useless. The horse is already bolted. But secondly, because often suburbs with big anomalies in the data make those lists. Mm, mm. Uh, there is one suburb literally next door to where my office is. It's called Birchgrove. It's a very, very small suburb. It has little workers' cottages at one end of the spectrum and huge multi, multi, multi-millionaire, uh, million-dollar mansions, waterfronts at the other end of the spectrum. So you've got such a wide distribution of property types. Yeah. And when you look at that. So it doesn't take much for and and a small data set as well. So you've got very low sales, you've got very wide price distribution. It doesn't take much for the median to swing up and swing down. And it nearly always makes those lists because of that. It has these massive swings and and it goes, oh prices have risen. 120% 120% of kid open birch crop is like, well, let's break that it. down because this is this is really important because when we're looking at massive price swings, what doesn't get talked about is the distribution of prices. So median house price is is really the, the middle price of the sales set for that period, reporting period. 
So if you've got let's let's talk about um, Birch Grove. Well, if you've got four properties that sell between eight and ten million um, in in the data set period, and eight eight workers cottages that you know are at the lower end, and then in the next period there's twelve workers cottages and only two you know, maybe a $6 million and a, a $5 million just yep. because there weren't many of those for sale in that data period, that actually can lead to a dramatic drop in the median house price as reported yeah. um, because of the data set has changed so significantly. So it, that that then is not – prices haven't dropped. There's just such a big difference in the prices – of the properties that were available for sale during that period and turned over transactions. Well, it's the type of property that it's sold that has changed. That has not changed the medium, as opposed to not the, price, the prices. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And the only way to dig into that is resale of properties that haven't improved over a yeah. period of time. And, and, and you and I are big fans of doing this when we're trying to look at actual changes. So the resale of a property that has had no improvements over a period of time is the best indicator of what is happening with prices. So that might be quite a long period of time between the sale of these. It might be a short period of time, but they're the best indicators. And I, I don't think there's – there was someone who was doing a bit on resale of unimproved properties for a period of time. They're very hard to track. Yeah, Kent Lardner was doing some work on that. Um, yeah. And in America, for instance, they've actually got – the property data in America is a bit more robust because you think about 330 million mm. people over there. They've got so many more dwellings. Yeah. We've got 26 million in this country and we've got 10 million dwellings and there's a, such a wide disparity. So we don't have the volumes of very similar types of properties Man. selling to to make any of this data robust enough to be reliable. And so, and this is the thing that, you know, all of these lists, honestly, just train yourself not to read them because they're garbage. <laughs> or use them use them as a, as what they are, the clickbait. And if you want to actually look in and find out a little bit more, go and find some reliable sourced information. So they're designed to get eyeballs, not impart knowledge. And then there's the concept of jawboning. And oh, I went well, back. Tell back, us about this. I went back to ChatGPT for a, for a definition because I just you're loving that. Why, why would I write? <laughs> We've gone something? from Wikipedia to Chat. If I can get a definition for I know what it means, but then it saves me having to write it, right? And if I read it and go, yep, that's correct, I'll I'll use it. So this is, <laughs> I'm going to just take this from there. Uh, dual boning is a term used to describe a form of informal influence or persuasion used by central banks, governments, or other influential entities. It refers to the use of public statements, speeches, or comments to influence economic or financial outcomes without using formal policy tools. So the purpose of jawboning is to signal future policy intentions, guide expectations, or to indirectly affect the behaviour of market participants. And what we do, I have a firm belief that the RBA to a degree uses jawboning before they actually start to move interest rates. So whilst we talked earlier about um, Philip Rowe uh, being quoted as saying, uh, interest rates were not going to rise until 2024. If you think back to the media um, headlines at the end of 2021, mm, whilst mm. prices were still rising, uh, quite a lot of negativity was entering into the headlines. And so they got no evidence because at that point, prices are still rising. Mm, so what mm. this is, is um, jawboning is the idea of using those headlines, using press releases to start seeding a different narrative to try to get people to change their behaviour, to try yeah. to get you to stop spending before they actually change interest rates. 
because interest rate changing interest rates um, has impacts in the broader economy, not just in housing, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so they've got to be mindful of the whole big picture. And so, quite often, if they can get consumers to sort of you know tighten up their belts and and stop opening their wallets, and they can do it in a different way, um, and that's what jaw boning is: is trying to influence behaviour without actually changing policy. So and it's, it's often hard a precursor. to pick. Yeah, it's hard to pick when it's happening. Although sometimes you go. That's not really reflective of what's actually happening in the marketplace. But you can certainly sometimes look back and see, oh, they were trying to get us ready for something or they were trying to get us to change so they didn't have to implement a monetary policy that had far-reaching effects. And and, in the case that you're talking about, that negative reporting started around the second half of 2021, but the market didn't peak until January 2022. And that was well, Sydney, certainly in Sydney and Brisbane even later. It, it still ran for some time after that. And, uh, and Adelaide is still going. Adelaide's still running Actually, at I a fast pace. Actually, I think they've just experienced their first tiny fall. But they, it's, it's been growing through 2022 while almost everything else was slowing, you know, was mm. falling or slowing down at least. Yeah. So the media's got its own agenda of getting us to click on articles. So they can they can sell advertising. Really, that's, that's what the media's job is. It's not... Yeah. In some cases, to inform us, yeah, share what's out there. But they're alive and kicking and profitable businesses because they sell advertising space. And those supplying the media with stories have their own agendas too. We talked about that. Understanding who is it that's making these comments? Where has their information come from? You know, someone goes in there with two or three years experience and, and provides expert market commentary is not someone that you want to base your purchasing decisions on. They're, they're not. They don't have the depth of experience. They don't. Have, they haven't been through enough market cycles to understand those little tiny changes and interpret what those changes mean. And who 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 are they talking about if they have only a, a limited uh, years of experience? Well, the problem is anyone can claim to be a property expert in this country. So sure that is a, a, quite a disastrous setup. And also, most media headlines are talking about macro markets. Yeah. Right? They talk all of Sydney, all of Perth, all of a regional market. In fact, the regional markets went up the most in 2021. Yeah. Uh, all, all, all of Australia. Australia. <laughs> there is no Australian property market. <laughs> there are hundreds, if not thousands, of micro markets that all behave differently. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to remember this and never base our decisions on media reporting and definitely not to regurgitate the headlines. Don't regurgitate headlines when you're at a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won't, but if somebody else does and you've listened to this podcast, you can blow their silliness apart and actually bring some critical thinking into the conversation. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.